Ladies and gentlemen, yo, fellas, 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 what's going on? We should get some t-shirts. Let me know if you're interested. Maybe I'll already design some. I already have a store. People don't realize that because I don't promote it because you just get to add one if you have a YouTube, a Teespring or whatever the store is called. I think a couple of people have bought some stuff. I know they're not great designs, although the represent stuff's pretty good. This is not me trying to self-promote to start a video. No, no, no. I just think maybe the fellas could be something cool. We're starting a little bit of a brand that I see people interacting on Twitter, on the YouTube comments with. I've needed something. I can't be calling people the vetries, right? But if I call people the fellas, it's a little bit more relaxing. It's a little bit more relatable. I mean, that's what I literally say to my friends. So yeah, anyways, interesting start to this video. Hope you're all doing fantastic. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to pull up ADP on the back of the screen behind me in a second. And I'm going to go through my top 150 on the other screen. If you have and you want to follow along, if you have the Supreme Draft Guide, you can follow along with me or you can just download it down below. It's $10 thanks to Monkey Knife Fight still. And you get not only the rankings, but you get player profiles on over 140. I think it's over 150 now different total players in the league this year. You're going to be getting a bunch of stuff from key stats, tiers. You can see just the, the ranking section is on the screen behind me and, and what's offered. PPR stuff, top 150, even top 40 rookies to get an idea of where I'm thinking for the rookies right now. But I'll be using my top 150 and that gets us to about round 12 to 13, right? Right, right in around 12 and a half. So we'll go through like the first 12 rounds and I'm just going to identify who I think is the biggest sleeper in each round based on where ADP is. So I'll pull up Fantasy Pros Consensus ADP, which is pulling from a couple of different sites right now. So you're not just relying on one source. It's kind of taking the average. So we get a little bit more of a solid number. And from there, we'll just look at the ADP, the average draft position. And I'll say, okay, these are the first 12 picks going off the board on average right now through these multiple sites that are pulling data from mock drafts, maybe even from the FFPC, which is a paid draft, sometimes higher stakes leagues for the most part. And I'll say this player out of the 12 is currently going in the first round and they are undervalued based on my rankings. And we get a little bit of a sense there so that right now as this video is, is coming out, maybe you're drafting this week, right? We're only less than a month away from the season, right around the time I'm, I'm dropping this video, uh, about the second or third week of August is where I, when I plan to, you'll start to get a really good sense. And now this is a video coming out. Um, I'm going to be recording it probably about two weeks in advance because I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling in August, which is the worst time to be doing traveling, but there's some family things that come up. So you have to take care of it. And again, making fantasy football contests in the busiest month of vacations, even with a pandemic going on. And by vacations, I mean, just seeing family at this point is something that is uh, not great, but we get through it, right? So if something major comes out, right, if something major comes out on one of the players that I say is a value and you're like, Sal, what are you talking about? This guy just tore his ACL. Well, then just know that when I was recording this, that player did not have a torn ACL. And right now we've, we've been able to dodge any sort of bullets when that's happening with Debo Samuel and some other stuff. Uh, but I do feel pretty good about it. There's no preseason games. So these would have to be camp injuries and camp seems to be pretty light for the most part. But again, players coming in maybe somewhat rusty after not being totally able to work out in their, their main ways with James or whatever they might use in the offseason. So just keep that in mind before you get all crazy in the comment section. But if you indeed, please let me know who your sleepers are in each round when we're there. You can leave them in the comment section. And if you would do me the biggest favor of all, like button, couple seconds of your time at most, right? But the big old subscribe button that's popping up on the screen, that takes maybe only two seconds of your time. Bottom right-hand corner, August is the biggest month for fantasy football content. We are in the heart of August right now. I would love this channel to reach more people. So if you could just tell a friend to tell a friend and just hit that subscribe button, that's all I ask. If you're getting some value out of this, I know you might not want your league mates to see it, but just say, hey, this guy's doing some good work over there. He's spending like six, seven hours a day literally making fantasy football videos. Let's at least hit him on the subscribe button. Really does help a lot. Really does potentially help him build a bigger brand in this space. So I appreciate you all. Just a one man show here myself trying to plug through as much work as I can. And the goal would be to get a bigger following so that I can have somebody else help me with editing and things like that in the background so that I could actually make even more content for you guys on this free end side of it. If you do want to sign up for the Supreme Draft Guide, that is linked down below. It's normally $30, but Monkey Knife Fight has been kind enough to sponsor it. So if you are indeed eligible for that sponsor, you can check it out depending on when you're watching this linked down below right now. It's only going to be $10 Ruskies. And trust me, I've only gotten positive feedback on it so far. I think it's really, really,
really going to help you uh, for your drafts this year. So be sure to check that out. Link down below. So with all of that stuff said, why don't we just hop on into this and we'll hop over to Fantasy Pros right now. And by the time you're watching this, ADPs might have moved a little bit, but I don't think anything drastic is going to happen, especially since we don't have a lot of reporters at camp. We don't have a ton of people coming in through preseason games because there are none, right? So there's not a lot of hype you can say outside of if a accredited beat reporter or a head coach specifically comes out and says, Cam Akers is our guy. He is the guy he's earned this role, right? And unless something like that happens, which I wouldn't doubt if something like that happened, if somebody blows a coach away in practice or beat reporters get blown away in practice, well, then they have, there's going to be a little bit of changes to the ADP, but it shouldn't be anything drastic, especially by the time this video drops. So let's zoom in here so that we can get just the 12 players that we want on the screen and I'll make sure they're there. So we're pretty much right there right now, right? So we got 12 players. I'll zoom out just a little bit here. So this is going to be based on PPR formats. I'm going to go based on 12 team drafts, right? So your 12 team drafts are more of your standard. Now, if you're in a 10 man league, well, you'll still kind of get an idea of this. I know 10-man leagues, they used to be the standard. They're not anymore, but a lot of people still play in 10-man leagues, right? So you can see this is where they're pulling data from right now. They're pulling data from about four different sources. They're also pulling it from the fan- yeah, so fantasy football calculator. So you're getting about four different sources of data, ESPN, fantasy football calculator, RTS sports, and fan tracks. Decent amount. McCaffrey is the number one overall there. He's the number one for me right now. So let's look through some of these names and see who I would who I would say is a value. And you guys, if you've been watching my content, you might actually be able to see, based on what I'm seeing right now, in the first round, out of all these guys. Um, it's actually going to be a guy that's not in the first round who would be a value for my first round pick. But based out of the 12 in this one right now, it would be Joe Mixon for me. I have Joe Mixon as the fifth overall ranked player in my rankings. I know I'm very high on Joe Mixon. He's currently coming in 11th here. So that's six spots in this round. That's a pretty, pretty big drop off in my opinion. So Joe Mixon would be the guy for me. Look, he's had terrible offensive lines his whole career. He's actually going to get Jonah Williams back this year. And he's actually going to have an offense this year, right? And the goal is that the defense is slightly better, especially in the secondary. Last year, they were down about six bodies in their safeties alone loan last year. They had to pull cornerbacks over to play safety, backup cornerbacks to play safety. So obviously you're going to have a bad defense when that happens. Obviously it's going to impact your pass rush when that happens as well. So just health alone will improve that defense from last year, which will improve the game scripts for a guy who down the stretch was seeing double the amount of fantasy points, seeing double the amount of touches over double, almost triple. Uh, He went from like 54 yards per game to 124 yards per game in Joe Mixon. So it would be Joe Mixon for me. If we're looking at the first round values, he's going 11th overall. I currently have him sixth overall. Um, I have my first right now, six picks being running backs and my first nine out of 10 picks in my top 150 are going to be running backs. The only one who's not is Michael Thomas. I have him actually seventh overall. He's going third overall on average. I can't disagree with it too much. It depends on how you want to build your lineups. But for me, if I'm just facing 10 or 11 other guys in my draft, I'm not going wide receiver early. It's in my opinion, it's 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 too big of an opportunity cost uh, for which you're missing out on. So let's go through the next couple of picks here. We'll go through it and I'll kind of call out something else too, because I'm just going to be going off of the ADP who I find as a value. But Miles Sanders is going 14th overall. It's not a huge drop off, right? 14th overall is the start of the second round. I have him 10th overall. I will be able to say that right now. This is indeed banking on the fact that he was the workhorse running back for this team the last six games last year, whether it was a Jordan Howard injury that caused it or not, he was a guy going out there and getting you consistently around the 20 touch department. And we don't even need 20 plus touches a game out of Miles Sanders for somebody with that type of pass catching ability like he has similar to his teammate coming out of college in Saquon Barkley. And I'll scroll down so you can see all the 13 through 24. We don't even need those 20 plus touches. We don't need the workhorse role like you need out of a Derrick Henry to really pay off 24 touches right all on the ground. No, this is what he did last year towards the end of the season when he started to pop off. He saw in week 13 on, so the final five weeks, 22 touches 
touches, 19, 25, 25, and 12. So although we don't need it in week 12 or the 12 touch game in week 17, he actually came out of the game against the Giants in the second half. Boston Scott saw a little bit more work. He came out of the game with some lower body injuries. So although he was averaging well over 20 plus touches per game, we don't even need it. And obviously we can get it, right? Obviously he can take on that workload and he can take it on in the receiving game a good amount. Those final weeks, he ended up seeing five, 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 six, five, six targets, right? So it's a very good spot for him and he's going to have upside there. If you're going to be getting four to five on the low end, four targets a game for Miles Sanders and running backs are going to convert those at a high rate. So let's just say three to four receptions a game out of Miles Sanders. You don't need 20 touches on the ground. You're in a department where you only need 14 touches on the ground, right? Two to three touches per quarter. That's very much in the range of outcomes that can happen on one drive in a quarter, right? For Miles Sanders. So I think there's a lot of upside for a 300 touch Miles Sanders season. And if that's the case, when you factor in a a high reception ceiling and floor, 50 plus receptions on 53% of the snaps last year. Now, if you get a 70, 80 plus reception season, oh man, this guy's going to be one of the mega elites pretty quickly if he scores any type of touchdowns close to 10. So I would say that right now, he might not be the biggest value, but I just wanted to point him out as a guy that's currently going for uh, in the second round that I currently have in the first round. Now there's some other guys that are going to be like that. Maybe not as uh, significant, you guess, I guess you can say. The biggest one that I'll touch on right now is going to be Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, I have as my ninth overall ranked player. He's going 17th overall. Uh, so he's going in the second round and I have him for right now in the first round. So if you can snag like a Joe Mixon as a value, and we did this in one of my videos previously, and then a Nick Chubb. Yeah, I think that that looks really, really good. I mean, Nick Chubb has Kareem Hunt there, but this is a guy who saw 298 carries on the ground last year. This is a guy that you can rely on now with Kevin Skavansky there, who I actually believe wants to run the ball, maybe some two tight end sets. Either way, you're going to rely on him for close to a 300 plus touch season. He's due for a regression in the 10 yard line and inside the five yard line where he was stuffed often four times on one drive last year at the goal line. That's just not going to continue to happen. And although he might not see a 50 plus reception season because Kareem Hunt's there, you can still count on him for 20, 25, maybe 30 receptions. That might be a little bit higher asking for much, but just based on his on the ground work alone, you're going to factor in that the offensive line just got a ton better with Jack Conklin drafting Jedrick Willis. If that's the case, you're going to have now a more time for Baker Mayfield who succeeds on play action, which Kevin Skafanski operated lovely, lovely in Minnesota, I would say with Kirk Cousins play action passing. And that's probably Baker's biggest strength. That's only going to help a guy in Nick Chubb even more if you can establish play action passing because the box gets a little bit softer. They stay on their toes a little bit more. And that's when a guy with Nick Chubb's talent can actually explode when he does have a carry and defenses are thinking play action and they start guessing. So Nick Chubb at 17th overall, he's a top 10 guy for me currently in my rankings. I love the guy a ton. I know Kareem Hunt's there. I like Kareem Hunt as well. Maybe he'll be a value as well. But look, Kareem Hunt last year, he was only seeing on the ground like four carries per game. So on the ground, you're going to be getting your 18 to 20 plus touch games, depending on how much of a lead that they have in Cleveland. And I'm expecting the team to be a lot better this year. They get to face the Pittsburgh defense and the Baltimore defense. That is scary. That is very scary. He has to face them four times total, but he did it last year and he was overall fun. He also then gets to face the Bengals defense, which is actually pretty dusty at the bottom end, right? So I think the schedule is actually fine for him overall, even when you go outside of the division. Nick Chubb, a 300 touch season on the ground, surely in play as it was pretty much last year. And when you factor into 20 to 25 receptions, I think this is a guy who's going to have 300 plus carries and a lot of goal line opportunities in 2020. So round one, it's going to be Joe Mixon. Round two, Nick Chubb, very similar to a recent video that I ended up doing for just some guys who were around. It was like the top four round values. Um, but let's scroll down a little bit more, see if anything else is standing out as I go through the rest of round two. Uh, as I go through it, not much is really standing out here. Kenny Galladay is coming out 24th overall. I have him 16th overall in my rankings. So that's an eight person swing. So I do think that that's interesting, but I'd rather stick with Nick Chubb as our main guy in that range. Let's just do one person per round. And let's go now into the third 
round, which is going to be picks 25, right? You have your first two rounds or 24, 25 through 36 now. And let's see what I end up having here. So it's going to be starting off with Mike Evans in this range. I think Mike Evans going that high is, uh, it's, it's about right. He's right around where I have him. But let me call out one Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley right now going 26th overall. I have him 18th overall. So I have him as like right after the first round, midway through the second round. He's currently going closer to midway through the third round. Todd Gurley. So I'm higher on running backs in general. Who's going to back him up? They said some things about Brian Hill wanting to be the starter and should have had a chance to be the starter. Brian Hill was dusty last year. Brian Hill has no athleticism, in my opinion, relative to Todd Gurley. And I know Todd Gurley's 26. And, and let me say that again. He's 26, which is still not the death age of running backs. Melvin Gordon was 26 last year, and he still got a contract, and he still got to a new team, and he's still going to be the workhorse. But I get it. He has this knee issue that still allowed him to play the six most snaps at running back position last year that people are so worried about that didn't flare up at all last year. So yeah, I'm going to just keep going to the, the fact that Todd Gurley had no issues with the knee last year. And now maybe it made him not as quick or bursty, right? Maybe he was dealing with pain meds and something like that. And we don't know. But the performances that I saw, sure, the overall efficiency went down for Todd Gurley, but he was behind the dead last offensive line last year. Now he's going to go to an offensive line that is just naturally going to improve. He's probably going to go to a better offense that's going to have more leads. And this is a guy who for the last three, four years has been up there with Ezekiel Elliott in goal line and red zone touches. Atlanta has had some issues in the red zone. So maybe Todd Gurley and running the ball a little bit more is going to be the cure because Brian Hill and, and dusty old Devonta Freeman, who Devonta Freeman has been terrible the last two years, have not been the answer when getting into the red zone and inside the 10 and five yard line when you're running the ball. Todd Gurley can be that help for you. That's kind of his specialty even outside of when he was a very good pass catcher two years ago, being in the red zone and getting in the end zone is something that Todd Gurley is very good at doing. Hence the 14 touchdowns last season. I would currently take him based on my rankings in the second round. Like if you snag a Saquon Barkley and then you want to go back to back running backs with like a Todd Gurley, or if you're lucky enough to get Nick Chubb and then Todd Gurley, I think that's a really solid start. So I currently have him a little bit around higher than he's currently going in ADP where he's going 26th overall. I have him 18th overall. So let's look now at the next round of guys starting at pick 37 to pick 48. And this one's going to be easy for me. So I have this player at number 33 overall. He's currently going off the board. If you could see at 45 overall, this guy's name is Robert Woods. I have him 12 picks higher. So an entire round higher than where he's going right now. Robert Woods is my wide receiver 12 this year. So I currently have him as a number one wide receiver in the NFL for fantasy football. If you just assume that uh, top 12 is your number one wide receivers, he's a, a back end number one wide receiver for me. Now this is a guy whose red zone role has never been fantastic, right? He's only seen like 13% red zone targets. So his two receiving touchdowns last year, they were really small, but again, he doesn't see that red zone work, but you would expect on based on the target load of 130 plus targets in back-to-back seasons, 140 targets last year, ranking top 10 in receptions, targets, overall routes run. He was up there in the top five in routes run. This is a guy who sees so much work that you're just going to fall into a little bit more touchdowns, which is what he did on the ground last year with one rushing touchdown. But you would expect a little bit more than just that one rushing touchdown even. You would probably expect somewhere around four to five total touchdowns rather than three. And if that's the case, you start getting Robert Woods last year finishing inside the top eight wide receivers. If you give Robert Woods, who scored three touchdowns, six touchdowns last year, he's a borderline top five wide receiver from last year. Now we can't just give and take these things, right? But what we can do is look at what the team was doing. And down the stretch, the team was relying on more two tight end sets, which they said they want to do, but two athletic tight ends and Gerald Everett. And now Tyler Higby, who's not as athletic as Gerald Everett, but showed that he can actually pop off last year, maybe a little bit fluky, but I would say he still did it at least. And Cooper Cup's going to be forced to the outside more, I would assume, which is somewhere he has not been good in the NFL and has not a lot of experience doing with press coverage. Robert Woods is fine there. His snaps went from 90, 85% to 97, 99% during the final month of the season and five weeks last year when they started doing that, going to more two tight end sets, aka 
aka 12 personnel. So that's one thing that's fine with Robert Woods, but then you get a little bit of a rushing upside, that Debo Samuel effect that everybody was jumping head over heels for in the fantasy industry before Debo got hurt. Oh, you're going to get 130 rushing yards. Look, I don't really care about those because I don't think they're as sticky as people expect them to be. But when a wide receiver doesn't end around, you're, you're pretty much guaranteeing yourself if you have a decent blocking unit on your offensive line and with your wide receivers, which is exactly what San Fran does. And it's worked very well with Sean McVay and Robert Woods in this role now for two, three years, right? So I think it's going to be a situation where, yeah, you're probably going to be picking up like more times than not five to seven yards, which is clearly a pretty efficient mark when you're running the ball. So if you're getting those carries, like on average once per game or half a time per game, yeah, you're going to have an extra hundred plus yards on the ground and you might get a touchdown, which Robert Woods did last year. So it is a little bit of a bonus. I don't think you should rely on it as your main point for arguing for a guy, but if you already have a guy in a situation, then it should be sort of a, a say to just kind of like the, the cherry on top, if you would, right? So it goes for 1100 yards, 90 receptions, but just two receiving touchdowns. So obviously some touchdown regression is in store for him. And last year he ended up finishing top 10 in targets routes, second in yards after the catch, which is a huge number, a fantastic number to be able to do that on your own, not relying on your quarterback, who at times Jared Goff was a little bit inaccurate last season, 15 and a half fantasy points per game. That is a guy that I would be taking in the fourth round as a value based on where he's going in ADP. I have him currently 12 spots higher. Quickly, before we keep going, I just want to let you know about my Supreme Draft Guide. Or again, just my draft guide this year. It's going to help you win your leagues. It's going to give you a better chance and better edge at winning those bragging rights, or maybe the few hundred dollars or thousand dollars up top, or the tournament that you're playing on one of these websites that has a bunch of leagues. So I appreciate it if you want to check it out. It is linked down below the Supreme Draft Guide. Just $10 Ruskies, fellas. Thank you to Monkey Knife Fight for making this thing 66% off. Get in there right now. You can check it out. Loads of snuff, not just the rankings that you're seeing on the screen right now, but you're going to get a bunch of key stats. You're going to get premium content. You're going to get 150 plus player profiles so that you know everything about everybody you need to know about. So when your draft is starting and people don't know who the rookies are, people don't know who to be taking around 15 and 16 or the last round of your draft, I got you with the best possible option that can possibly win your league in those drafts for you. Trust me on this. I appreciate it. And the other big thing, hitting the like and the big old subscribe button and just word of mouth marketing. Hitting the subscribe button lets us reach more people on YouTube, but drop this link to this video or one that you like in a group message, right? In some friends or on Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, because that's the most powerful thing that we have as a small creator in a community here. So if you respect my work, it's just me doing all this stuff. I really would appreciate it. If you just tell a friend to tell a friend and hit that subscribe button. So I appreciate it, gang. Let's get back into this video. Let's look into the fifth round, guys. Now we're going to go from picks 49 all the way down to pick 60 here. And I'll see who I have as some of the guys that I really want to be stabbing and taking shots on here. And this is going to be very similar again to that one video that I put out a couple weeks back, but we, we stopped at around five. So after this, it'll be a clean slate, but it's hard because the ADP is not moving with not a lot of news. There's a couple of guys in this range who do stand out to me. Um, I do like a good amount of the guys like DJ Shark currently, I think is a pretty fair ADP, but I'm fine getting over that if you wanted to. But for me, it's going to be David Montgomery. still. David Montgomery is my 41st overall ranked player. So David Montgomery is a fourth round pick for me. He's currently going right now, I believe 57th overall. So he's barely getting picked in the fifth round at this point. So I am 16 spots ahead of consensus on David Montgomery. So call me high on David Montgomery even though I don't think I'm that high. Look, the Bears ran 70 plus less times last year than they did the year before. Want to know why? Mitch Trubisky sucked. The offense sucked. Maybe there's a little bit of an injury with Trubisky. That's why I didn't run as much. The defense naturally regressed, which is going to happen. I still think they're a borderline top 10 defense, but when you're the number one defense in 2018, it's very hard to be number one again. Naturally, defenses regress about six to seven spots a year. That's exactly what happened to them last year. So when you get naturally worse on defense, it means that your offense has to stay just as good or get better for you to have positive game environments for your running backs, meaning that you're leading, right? 
write positive game scripts. So then you actually feel comfortable milking the clock, handing the ball off more. Uh, otherwise, you're trailing in games like you ended up seeing last year a lot from the Bears. They threw the 12th most times per game. Now, they're not a good passing offense. That was just out of necessity. Mitch Trubisky was trailing. They had to throw to get back. And when that happened, David Montgomery comes off the field or he comes off the field or he's just blocking. And now it's Tariq Cohen coming in and seeing 104 targets, right? Having uh, an insane amount, 79 receptions, even though he was inefficient. So this year, although David Montgomery with his reception saw 270 touches last year, right? He was very inefficient after contact. But you're seeing a guy last year who saw 242 carries and a not so great run environment for him. You ended up seeing 275 plus touches when you factor in his receptions. And they just get a little bit better on offense, which is the hope and goal now with a healthy Anthony Miller. Finally, no shoulder injuries. Maybe now Cole Komet as a, as a tight end can come in and play fine. Second year with David Montgomery. And the big one, Nick Foles taking over for Mitch Trubisky. I don't know how good Nick Foles actually is. I know he won a Super Bowl and he popped off and he went God mode for that one year with the Eagles. But for the most part, he hasn't been great in his career. You just look back at last year, he sucked with Jacksonville, but hopefully he's in a, an improvement, right? And if he is an improvement and we think he's an improvement to Mitch Trubisky or Trubisky himself improved, well then yes you're going to be in a situation where back to 2018 even if they're not the top defense they just get a little bit better on offense and they run 30 35 more times per game Tariq Cohen barely saw the ball on the ground outside of the receiving game last year so now if you're giving an extra 25 to 35 carries to a guy in David Montgomery his receptions stay the same and he's pushing a 300 touch season with the worst possible year he could have had this past year it's only up from here in terms of his after the contact numbers in terms of his red zone and touchdown opportunities where he saw 85 percent of the carries inside the five yard line he saw 65 percent of the carries inside the red zone so he's getting all that workload he's getting all the workload on the ground you're going to be passing up close to a 300 plus touch guy in the fourth round at this point at the bottom of the fifth round look i don't care if you already drafted two running backs he would be the third running back i'd take at this point i don't care if you drafted none you better draft one and he's a pretty good option in my opinion i know you guys like pass catching running backs if you're going zero rb that makes sense to me as well but i think he's a pretty strong option based on the value you're getting him at i currently have him 41st overall he's going 57th overall so let's keep going down here now as we start from pick 61 all the way down to pick 72. And I'll start to call out some players. And you'll notice that it's mainly going to be running backs and wide receivers because for the most part, I don't think many tight ends are values until you get to the later rounds. So we can see once we get to like rounds uh, 10 on my rankings, we'll probably go all the way through like 10 or 12. So we're currently about halfway through, uh, maybe a little bit less. We'll see how much we get through depending on the time. But it's mainly going to be wide receivers and running backs early on because I think you should be drafting wide quarterbacks late and also tight ends late. So in my personal rankings, a lot of these quarterbacks and tight ends um, are going to be a little bit later on, or at least the guys that I like as values, especially the guys I might have them like right now, if I'm looking at some tight ends, I might have like Evan Ingram 71st overall, he might be very similar in my rankings, but it's just not a value at that point, in my opinion. So starting here, we get to start this round off with a guy in Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, and then you get to go down through some guys. So Kareem Hunt is somebody that we touched on as being a potential value. I think he's actually currently going in a good spot. I have him 63rd overall. He's currently going off the board at 65th overall. So in my opinion, he's going at a good spot. A lot of these guys now where we're getting to in the sixth round start to look a little bit better in terms of where their ADP lies. If I had to pick one guy in this round, then there's probably guys that I have um, in a couple rounds higher that are still probably a little bit off. Now in this specific round, I think that a lot of guys are actually fine at their ADP, like where they're going. Now I might have some other guys in my rankings higher that were in some previous rounds that we just picked one at. So if I had to pick one ADP value in this range, I guess I would go Cam Akers. He's my 62nd overall player. He's going 67th off the board. So about five spots difference. This is me betting a little bit that he's just going to be the guy, uh, maybe not right away, but within the first couple of weeks, had a bad offensive line in college and now goes to the worst offensive line from last year in the NFL 
with the Rams. So not great. But again, if you're taking on that Todd Gurley role, it's coming with receptions. It's coming with a lot of snaps. And it is indeed coming with a lot of goal line opportunities. I don't care that Sean McVay said that they want to use literally four running backs. Uh, Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown. I think Joe Kelly's the other guy. I don't care, right? That's not going to happen. You can say that all you want. This happens every offseason. Matt Patricia said it a month and a half ago. They want to use four running backs. Happens every offseason. You're not using four running backs. That's not how this thing works. Maybe it actually works in theory and it should be that. But I don't think this is going to be galaxy brain season, even though Sean McVay is the leader of the galaxy brain, it seems, and trying to be innovative as a head coach, or at least he was a couple years back, and then baseline with some other guys like Kyle Shanahan coming through the door, kicking down the door of innovation in the NFL. Uh, But I do think that Cam Akers has a lot of upside. And at this point in drafts, do you really want to be taking, at least at the running back position, Raheem Mostart, a 28 and a half year old running back that's shown literally four to five weeks of actual production in the NFL, who right now, yes, he got his deal restructured, and he should, right? But he still has Tevin Coleman in his backfield, who's probably just as good of a pick. Jarek McKinnon is coming back with some buzz that he's finally healthy. But Raheem Mostart, yeah, go ahead and keep taking Raheem Mostart. No, Cam Akers, in my opinion, five spots higher. Take the rookie who has some upside. Take the rookie who has the better draft capital in his backfield. And at this point, does indeed look like the best running back. Definitely over Joe Kelly. Malcolm Brown, 100% better than Henderson, you can argue with me with. But at the worst case, they're going to be splitting it. And I would assume Cam Akers takes that role away from him as the better pass catcher and probably better pass protector. Let's head into the seventh round as we now go. Picks 73 all the way down to pick 84. So I currently have a guy that's going outside the top 100 in my seventh round to start it off on my end. I guess we'll get there when we get to that round, like the ninth round. Just brutal. I didn't know he was getting taken that late. That's just, in my opinion, absolutely disgusting. I would say that probably the guy I like the most in this round is going to be Damian Williams. He's currently going off the board 83rd overall, as you can see on the bottom, the last pick of the seventh round. I have him currently 76th overall, so a little bit closer to the the top end of the first round. Look, Clyde Edwards Slayer, I like the upside. I like the potential there, but He's not a good pass protector. And he just gave Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars. So obviously there's little incentives with that. Uh, he has to be like MVP and win a ton of Super Bowls to get all of it. But just just on paper, half a billion dollars. I don't see why you're going to just come in and be the main guy. I know you got taken in the first round and normally guys taken in the first round get a lot of opportunity. But Damian Williams has been one of the most stable pieces of this offense for the last year and a half when he actually is on the field, but one of the best producers. You just saw that in the playoffs. You saw that in the goddamn Super Bowl. I know Patrick Mahomes won that and, and willed you back to victory, but he was a big reason why Damian Williams was that the Chiefs won a Super Bowl last year. And then he closed the door on the San Francisco 49ers down the left sideline, winning somebody a million dollars on DraftKings with that long run to end the day out. Now I think you're going to be getting Damian Williams, who in my opinion, very much so, and beat writers are saying it, respectable beat writers, 60-40 split in Damian Williams' favor. So he's going to be the lead back to start the season. And that's what you would expect, but potentially going to be the lead back even more now that we get no rookie camps, no preseason. Clyde Edwards Slayer takes an extra month or so to get acclimated with the, the playbook and the overall offense. And now you're getting a serviceable back at the beginning of the seventh round, even though he's being taken at the end of the seventh round, and you're getting him to play for you for maybe even if it's half the season in your fantasy leagues as your RB4, you can put him into your flex some weeks and a Chiefs offense that sees 1.7 touchdowns per game under Patrick Mahomes to the running back position. That's all 6.6 targets per game and 5.6 receptions to the running back position last year. It's now going to be Damian Williams' opportunity, in my opinion, at least the majority of it for the beginning of the season. And he's definitely a better pass protector right now than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is. Edwards-Hilaire, similar to Aaron Jones, can definitely improve. That's within the cards. Of course, Aaron Jones was coming off the field for Jamal Williams until this year because he could not pass protect. Aaron Jones got better at pass protecting, but that took a couple of years. I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in an offseason like this one is going to improve in pass protection. So give me Damian Williams there. And now let's scroll down 
as we do heading into the eighth round of the draft, where we started off with 85th overall Debo Samuel to 96th overall Sonny Michelle. 96th overall, that's going to drop. Like he might not even start the season. He might not play a month into the season. So Sonny Michelle should not be being taken in the top 100 picks. He might not play until midway through the season this year. Um, and given what's happening right now, he can definitely get Wally picked by Damian Harris. So this one's going to be easy for me, and I'll give you two guys. It's both the Houston Texans wide receivers. Uh, right now, Will Fuller is going 86th overall. I have him 71st overall. Brandon Cooks is going 89th overall. I have Brandon Cooks currently 73rd overall. So this one's a very, very easy one for me. I could even throw out another wide receiver. This is the range of value wide receivers. Mike Marvin Jones is going 92nd overall. I have Marvin Jones 80th overall. So those three wide receivers, I'm about 10 to 12. So for Will Fuller's case, 15 spots higher on. So these three wide receivers, I'm not going to break down into them too much. They're all in my like value wide receiver type videos. But you have two top wide receivers in a Houston Texans offense, which one of them is going to pop off and be the main guy. I don't care if you're scared about Will Fuller being injured. I get it. He's been injured. He's injury prone. Guys are injury prone until they're not. Keenan Allen had a freak injury and then a torn ACL or back the other way around, right? Torn ACL and then a freak injury. And now he's out an Achilles, I believe. And now he's out and he comes back and he's been the best wide receiver or one of the best wide receivers in the league for the past five years. Guys are injury prone until they're not. It's just that simple. In my opinion, running back position, maybe because they're taking more hits. Will Fuller, maybe because he's speedy and you're worried about that. Brandon Cooks, because of the concussions, that's actually a syndrome. Like you get more concussions. I've had concussions. I've had them for a year at one point and they suck. Um, you get concussions and then you get more. That's concussion syndrome. So that's actually scary. And I understand that. But if these guys do stay healthy, let's just say they do stay healthy because they're currently being picked as if they're not going to stay healthy. In my opinion, you're 15 spots off on these guys, right? They're in a Deshaun Watson offense that um, has now actually an improved offensive line after last year and no more DeAndre Hopkins. So both of these guys can coexist there and they're both being taken too late. And for Marvin Jones, Marvin Jones continues to get closer to the top 25 wide receivers in my rankings. Yes, he does. Because last year before Matthew Stafford's injury, he was a borderline top 15 wide receiver. And over his last 16 games, he's actually been a better producer than Kenny Galladay. I don't want to say that because I love Kenny Galladay, but that's the truth. Marvin Jones is an absolute freak and he would probably be a wide receiver one on most teams if Kenny Galladay wasn't there, right? If there's no Kenny Galladay in this offense, Marvin Jones is a staple number one wide receiver. And we're taking him in the top 20 wide receiver picks instead of a lot of guys currently taking him around like wide receiver 35, wide receiver 40 range. He's currently right now, Marvin Jones, right around my wide receiver 30. So I love me some Marvin Jones. I love me some Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. Like these guys, if you're taking like three or four running backs in a row and they end up being your wide receiver three, you got to feel fantastic about Will Fuller, Marvin Jones, or Brandon Cooks as your wide receiver three after you already have some stud wide receivers in front of them and some stud running backs. That feels great in my opinion. Let's move down now as we do into, I believe what we're now going into the ninth round here as we start with pick 97. And this one's going to be very easy for me because I see Christian Kirk at 103rd overall. And that makes zero sense to me because Christian Kirk is my 74th ranked player. So I'm almost 30 picks higher on Christian Kirk. And I get this. I keep getting Christian Kirk in the ninth and 10th rounds of drafts. And he's sitting there on my overall rankings as like in the seventh and eighth round pick. And I'm just chuckling to myself. DeAndre Hopkins is not going to see his 160 target seasons that he did when he was in, in Houston. He never saw below 150 targets. He's going to easily see that this year, not being able to work with Kyler Murray as much and just having other comfortable pieces for Kyler Murray when he was a rookie, throwing the Christian Kirk 100 plus times, throwing the Larry Fitzgerald 100 plus times last year. And now he's going to have DeAndre Hopkins here, who's fantastic, who probably leads the team in overall targets, but it might only be 125. And Christian Kirk, who ended up missing with an ankle injury last year, like Alvin Kamara, like Aaron Jones have, ended up missing two to three to a month of the season. He still was able to go out there and post the type of season that he did over 100 targets and look fantastic, in my opinion. Christian Kirk was also tackled on the one yard line twice. So for the people who want to say, oh, he only scored three touchdowns all in one game. First of all, you don't know what you're talking about because that's good. That's touchdown regression. That means more is coming his way because he was tackled on the one yard line twice. If he gets those two touchdowns and he has five in 12 games, nobody's chirping at all. He has three in one game in those 12 games. That's touchdown regression, baby, on 100 plus targets. So that's actually a positive for me. So you make my argument even easier when people say he only scored three touchdowns. Yeah, 
perfect. He's going to score more now if he keeps seeing 100 plus targets, especially in this offense that's going to throw the ball a ton and be in the red zone a ton. So I'm much higher on Christian Kirk. I don't care that he's across from DeAndre Hopkins. We loved Will Fuller much more than an outside the top 100 player overall these last couple of years when he was in an offense with DeAndre Hopkins that had Deshaun Watson that already was comfortable seeing 150 plus targets. I think Hopkins is going to drop to the 120 at most the low 130 range, which leaves 20 to 40 plus targets on the table if people are expecting the Houston Texans uh, target share for DeAndre Hopkins for guys like Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. And I think Kirk is next in line. So now we finally get into the ninth round as that was the eighth round with uh, 108th pick overall. And I guess uh, San Francisco's 49ers defense is going there on average. That's just brutal. I probably wouldn't even draft the defense and just wait until the season starts. Or if you're in a smart league, you just get rid of defenses and kickers because defenses and kickers are absolute dog shit and brutal. So that's probably what you should do. So we'll go through the first 10 rounds. This is now for the ninth round here. We're starting at pick 108, going down to pick 120 or so. So a lot of these players I don't have much interest in, and I can probably just call out some players that are going way too low, in my opinion, based on where they're getting drafted right now. A lot of the guys in this range honestly, they're just kind of meh players. Like I don't want to be drafting any of these guys in this range. I'm probably just piling on other positions at this point, but there is one guy that I can call out. Jamison Crowder is going 109th overall. I have him 82nd overall in my ranking. So that's a 27 person difference. That is a big difference in my opinion. Crowder's the guy in the slot. Sam Darnold, since USC throwing to Juju, loves the slot, right? Adam Gase loves throwing to the slot when you go back to all of his time when he was with Jarvis Landry or whoever it was, even if it was like Jakeem Grant when he was with Miami. So now you're in a situation where you have the slot receiver with no other weapons. You have a, a free agent in Rashad Perriman who has one month of production when everybody was injured, when OJ Howard was not producing, when Mike Evans and Chris Goblin were hurt. That's when Rashad Perriman finally pops off for a month. So I don't believe the Rashad Perriman hype all that much. I think he's a fine value in drafts, but I don't think he's just going to come in and be this dominant number one receiver. And then Denzel Mims out of Baylor taken at the back of the second round this year in the draft uh, at wide receiver. I like Denzel Mims a lot, but again, no preseason for these rookies. Wide receivers are going to suffer for timing with their quarterbacks. The only stable piece here is Crowder. You have Chris Herndon coming back from suspension and injury. I love Chris Herndon a lot. I think he's a very much a sleeper this year, but again, he pretty much had a whole season off last year because he only played like two snaps last year before getting injured again after a suspension and a re-injury. So Crowder, the only stable piece as an aging Le'Veon Bell is in the backfield in this offense, a guy who you're probably not going to see a huge ceiling out of, but a consistent 100 and probably 20 plus target season out of him. A guy who's going to see some red zone work, a guy who just naturally sees like six to seven targets a game in this offense and Sam Darnold, it is his security blanket. Yeah, I feel really good about Jamison Crowder in the slot. Good enough to get him way, way higher than he's currently going. But if you can get Crowder right now in like the 10th or 11th round where he's going on average, if he slips a little bit, that's a really good spot. Let's look into now the final round where we're going to be going into the 10th round of the draft where we're starting at pick 120 and going down to pick 132. And we'll end it off right around here. So for me, this is also another easy one. It's pick 130, the end of the 10th round, Mike Gusecki. He's my 105th pick overall. He's my tight end 10, where he's basically going off the board right now. He's going off the board as like tight end 15. So I'm much higher on Mike Gusecki than consensus. I think for people that are kind of locked in right now, they know how good Mike Gusecki can possibly be. And he was towards the end of last year. There are concerns for Mike Gusecki. Preston Williams comes back and he was the number one receiver in this offense last year. And Gusecki wasn't producing as much when Preston Williams was on the field. That's number one. But also into those splits was about half the games with Josh Rosen, who was favoring Preston Williams and not favoring Gusecki. Ryan Fitzpatrick was favoring Devontae Parker and Gusecki. And then there's the other concern of when Tua starts, who is he going to throw the ball to? Now, naturally, quarterbacks, rookies like throwing the ball to their tight end. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, But it could just be Preston Williams. It could just be the wide receivers on the outside and Devontae Parker and Williams. So that is a concern. But if you're getting him as a value at this point, if you're you're getting him. If I could wait on tight end, right? I'd take, let's just say my first nine picks are wide receivers and running backs. I'm feeling great. And then at that 10th and 11th round, I take Mike Gusecki and I take like a Matthew Stafford. My team has to be loaded at this point. Matthew Stafford, a guy you can get in the 10th and 11th round who last year was a number two quarterback behind Lamar Jackson in fantasy until he was injured in week nine. 
That's fantastic, in my opinion. Now you get a guy, Mike Gusecki, who, in my opinion, down the stretch, was one of the best tight ends over the last month of the season last year, and he was. But Tyler Higby got all the hype, and he's more athletic than Tyler Higby, and he came from a better program than Tyler Higby did, Penn State. Now he's coming into an offense that's going to be improved with a better offensive line and potentially a better quarterback. There's just uncertainty in when that quarterback change happens and who that quarterback is going to favor and what this offense looks like if Preston Williams is indeed the same Preston Williams as he was last year, the undrafted free agent being the number one wide receiver and number one weapon in this offense for the Dolphins before chairing his ACL. So for me in the 10th round, it's Mike Gusecki. I'm 25 spots higher on him than consensus. We'll stop this video there. So those are the first 10 rounds, the guys who I think are the most undervalued based on consensus right now. Appreciate y'all tuning into this one. If you would please hit me with a big old like button and the big subscribe button popping up on the screen. I really do appreciate that. Be sure to check out the Supreme Draft Guide. It's what I use for my rankings today. It's what you can check out for a bunch of different things, not just rankings, but there's drop downs here for key stats. You can see popping up all the different rankings, all the player profiles from running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, rookies, 150 plus player profiles. I continue to add them. Let me know if you have any questions on the Supreme Draft Guide down below. But it says $10 Ruskies. Fellas, get up in there right now and go get the Supreme Draft Guide. It's going to save you a ton of information. It's going to give you a much bigger edge to actually win your league and take that down for a measly $10 investment. Even if you're just playing for bragging rights, it's going to increase your chances at bragging rights. If you're playing with like a prize pool of a couple hundred to a thousand dollars up top, this is going to help you out a ton. Or if you're just playing in a bunch of off-season drafts on underdog fantasy, on, on drafters, whatever it might be, this is going to help you a ton. So check it out. Thanks so much. Tell a friend to tell a friend is the other thing. If you appreciate this content or you think it's good or one of my other videos, just drop that link into a group chat. Drop that link on Twitter, whatever it might be. If you share this and it shares by word of mouth, it's the most powerful thing that we can have as a community here. So thank you so much in advance. I'll see you all in the next one.